0: Profile with Wamboyimuru. Wamboyimuru. This is a repeat of Profile that was aired on Wednesday. Today featuring Bishop Dr. Ron Archer. This man was introduced to me by someone who put it this way. Bishop Dr. Ron Archer came from streets and heavy abuse to becoming an advisor of three American presidents and also in Kenya, a consultant mentor to Kenyan governors. His profile will thrill and encourage millions as you host him on Profile. Now, that is how you are introduced to me. How about that?
1: Is that my funeral? Is that my <laughs> obituary? Are we burying me right now in the ground? Earth to earth, dust to dust, and ashes to ashes, my dear host.
0: <laughs> oh, he had said you have quite a sense of humor. That is it. How yes. are you?
1: I am so blessed to be in your presence and to feel your dynamic spirit and to say good morning to all of my Kenyan friends and to say Buona Asafiwe. Amen.
0: Amen. How much more of Kiswahili do you know? Let's
1: not Discuss that right now. That's national <laughs> <not>? security issue. <laughs> they. Uh, it's an old saying.
0: Let's go to your names. Yes. You well, all three of your names mean something. Well, I
1: think in the biblical tradition, when uh-huh. God would call a person into His service, He would always either change their name, like Abram to Abraham, yes. from Jacob to Israel, from Saul to Paul. So names are important. Even Moses asked God, "What's your name?" And He said, "I am that I am." Well, my name is Ronaldo. Isaac Archer. Every name has a meaning. Ronaldo means to lead with good counsel, good advisors. And Isaac means biblical name Hebrew. It means is anything too hard for God? Make me laugh. And Archer, of course, being a marksman means to aim high without reservation.
0: Now uh, You tell me. Yes, my dear. Who gave you these names, or did you just pick them up to, to, to describe yourself? Because well, you've just described yourself.
1: Well, if, if I would pick out a name, i call myself Hercules or Samson. <laughs> so I wouldn't call myself Ronaldo Isaac Archer on my own. Those were names that were given to me by my mother.
0: How do you explain that in a sense? They describe exactly what you're doing.
1: I believe that people live up to their names, raise up a child in the way that he should go. Your name is your directive. Your name can be your destiny. Your name can be your purpose and plan. So names are very critical and very important. So I believe that my name preceded my destiny, purpose, and reason for being.
0: And I'll come back to that. Yes, my exactly dear. Exactly what you're doing. But I'm amazed that looking at you, I yes. can hardly connect with what uh, the person who introduced me to you, Dr. Luke. Uh, yes.
1: He's called Bishop Luke. Yes. Yes, he is. Great guy. Great man of God.
0: You've known him a while?
1: I have, and we're working together on mining operations and doing church work, and he is a tremendous man. He looks like the Kenyan Michael Jordan. Very, very (laughs) dynamic looking guy.
0: I know. I know. I know. But I can hardly connect the person in front of me now and the person he described as having gone through abuse and In the
1: street Yes
0: Could we go Way back
1: Absolutely we can I believe the Bible says And they Shall overcome By the power Of their testimonies And the blood of the Lamb And that We have to share What God has brought us through The entire Bible Is about Experiences Where God Took us where we were And transported us Into a destiny I believe this That everything That we have gone through In our lives Is a down payment on our destiny and God turns our pain into power, our wounds into wisdom and our scars into the stars. I believe this, that God uses greatly those who have been wounded very deeply. There's a humility. Hmm. So let me take you back. Take me back. When I was 10 years old, I held my mother's gun to my head what? and I tried to blow my brains out all over her wall. First of
0: all, what was the gun doing? It was a
1: 32 snub snub-nosed revolver with six bullets in the chamber.
0: What was she doing with a gun, your
1: mom? We're in America. Guns are like pets. Everybody has one. Oh. Guns are everywhere. You can actually go to a bank, open up an account for a savings account or a checking account, and they'll give you a rifle as a gift. We worship guns in America. No. Everybody has guns. You have there there are even certain states in America where you can walk around with guns on your holster openly. Yes.
0: So the gun is just an item in the house. A
1: gun is like a like a toaster, a microwave oven. Almost every American home has at least one. Some have 22, some have 50. Some have gun basements full of rifles and assault weapons. We worship guns in America. We do. It's called the Second Amendment that we have the right to bear arms and people take that literally. <laughs> there are many trucks that have guns in the window. Yes, it's called a rifle rack. We love guns in America. Yeehaw! <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> so you now, have- I don't own a gun, by, by the way. Because of my experiences, I don't have a gun. So, at 10 years of age... At, at 10 years old... What happened? Well, I'm going to tell you the story. Yes. My family's biracial, and my grandmother is an immigrant who came from Germany. She was tall, thin, white, blue eyes, blonde hair. We called her french fry because she was so tall and white. My grandfather is a black Cuban, African-Cuban, who migrated to America. He was big, burly, dark, so we called him Hamburger, charcoal broil. So Hamburger met french fry, and they made a happy meal. <laughs> and these two immigrants fell in love, and they had seven mulatto biracial kids. Understand now, in America, during that time in the 1940s, in the southern part of the country, It was apartheid, basically, that it was illegal for a black man to even look at a white woman. Oh, illegal by law, by law. It was called Jim Crow, where whites were superior. There were separate bathrooms, black and white, separate bus stations, black and white colored and white, and it was illegal for you as a black person to marry a white person, what they would do in some cases, they would lynch you, castrate you, burn your house. It was illegal, and they did not tolerate it. So in the North, so let's say, for example, the North is New York, Mm -hmm. Chicago, Cleveland, where I'm from. The South would be Mississippi, Alabama, Florida. So it was a different. In the North, it wasn't illegal, but it was still frowned upon. Uh. It was not acceptable. So what happened... When they got married, my grandfather— Hamburger
0: and French fry. Yeah,
1: hamburger and French fry and the Happy Meal with seven McNuggets. When they got married, my grandfather had to pretend he was her driver to oh. take her to work. Okay, Miss Daisy, so glad to have you. Have a good day at work now. Pick it back up at 5 o'clock. Y'all come back now, you hear? In he order pretends. to He had to pretend because she would lose her job and he might get killed. So he had to pretend— on a daily basis, driving her to work. He was not her husband. He was not her lover. He was her driver. So this went on for some time. They bought their first house. They're very successful. He had his own TV repair business, did very well, self-educated man. She was a manager at a department store. They bought their first house, had their first car. We call that the American dream. Uh But the American dream became a nightmare very quickly. What happened? My grandfather was a proud man. He worked in the sugarcane fields with his hands in Cuba. He came here, he was a self made man. And he was tired of pretending. This is my wife. I pay taxes. These are my kids. No more pretending. He said, It was their wedding anniversary. We are going to go out as husband and wife and let the chips fall where they may. And the wife said, Okay, honey, okay. They went out, and she's on his arm. And a white gentleman who was inebriated, drunk, saw them together. All hugged up and walking. And during that time, you wouldn't talk to the black man. You ignore him and talk to the white person. So white on white conversation. And he says to her, my grandmother, you are beautiful. You are. Why would you be with a nigger? Why would you be a nigger lover? And my grandfather, who had a temper, took his fist, went back to Alabama, came up through Chicago, went through Cleveland and hit the man in the jaw and broke the man's neck with one punch. Can you imagine the horror of my grandmother? This big, black, strong, powerful man uses his fist and almost kills a white man in America in the 1940s. The white man didn't die, but he was severely injured. He would never watch tennis the same. No more moving his neck. His neck was severely damaged. The police came, beat him up, arrested him. He was convicted and sent to the worst prison in Ohio called Mansfield Reformatory, where he was locked in his cell. 23 hours a day for to teach the whole black race a lesson. Oh, you don't do this.
0: Didn't he see
1: that coming? Sometimes rage can blind you to logic. Rage, oh. racism, segregation, humiliation, bigotry can overwhelm your yeah. logical, pedantic nomenclature senses. And he responded, <laughs> Say
0: that slowly.
1: <laughs> it can make you crazy. Okay. Okay. You okay. can lose your mind. Yeah. And that's what happened. After years and years of pretending he had enough and struck back at the system through this very Mm. horrible comment about him being a nigger, she being a nigger lover, he reacted inappropriately. Well, it hit the newspapers. On the front page, nigger lover, my grandmother, big picture, and she got fired from her job. Lost her job. Now, you got seven kids to feed. You got a mortgage to pay. You got a car note to pay. Your husband now's in jail, so his income is gone. You've lost your job. You have no income. She began to work being a house help. The only job she could get, cleaning oh, people's houses, toilets, whatever she could do to earn money. And while she's doing this, my beloved, she started having fainting spells. She would drive to a house to clean and black out and wind up in a ditch. She'd be cleaning the house and just fall. And wake Uh. up 30 minutes later. This was going on repeatedly. So out of fear and concern for her children, herself, went to the hospital and asked the doctors, I'm blacking out. I can't control it. What's wrong with me? They do some tests. And to their dismay, they discovered that this mother of seven who lost her husband to prison, who is now a house help, had cancer. Oh. She had a tumor growing behind her left eye oh. that was metastasizing or spreading to her frontal lobe, which was causing the blackout spells. And they said, in order to save your life, we must go to surgery immediately. What does it mean? We must take out your eye, a third of oh. your face, and a part of your frontal lobe of your brain, which will change your personality. You'll be disfigured. You'll be horrific. You won't have the full function of your personality. It will change you. You may go through tremendous depression, anxiety, mood changes. But if you want to live, this is what we have to do. Back then, surgery wasn't as advanced today. Still in the
0: 40s or are we now in the 50s
1: We're now in the 50s now. We're in the 50s, moving into the 60s. So there's a civil rights movement going on. She's about 35 years old at the prime of her life, a beautiful who becomes disfigured. Now, my family was atheistic, no God, here's why. Her German father heard about the atrocity that happened. She's in the hospital. Half her face is basically gone. She's bandaged up. She has one eye remaining. He comes to visit her from Germany and brings a priest with him to talk to her. And the father basically says in German, Wunderbar der Deutschland, der he basically says to her through the priest, do you know why this has happened to you? Do you know why you have cancer? Do you know why you've lost your eye? This is the priest talking. This is the priest talking on behalf of the family to Uh her Mm -hmm. saying, because you have been cursed for marrying a black man and use the Bible to say, what does light have to do with darkness? You were unequally yoked. God was displeased and he put your husband in jail and he cursed you. Now, to reverse the curse, we very wealthy family back in Germany. We can bless you. We can help you. We will take good care of you. You have no pro- All you have to leave are your seven black nigger babies behind. And nobody needs to know back home the shame, the curse. Come on, leave them behind. Come home. Come back to Germany, and we will take good no. care of you. Yes. What do you do, audience? Uh, What do you uh, do? No. When you are in this state of desperation, you're in this state of poverty now. You're in this state of not knowing what you're going to do with your life. Your medical bills are sky high. Your face is basically altered. You can't function. Your husband's in jail. And here comes your father who tells you God has cursed you because you married a black man. My grandmother is my hero. She said to her own father and the priest, how dare you? How dare you ask me to see color? These are my babies. How do you expect me, a mother, to abandon my children and leave them to the wolves? She asked them, please get out. Yeah. They went back to Germany. Tradition. They took all of her clothes that they had, pictures, and put them in a casket had a full funeral no. with the priest.
0: No, 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 buried no. Buried
1: the casket in the ground. No,
0: no, no. Who oh, told yes. you these things? Are they real?
1: Yes. Oh, yes. That's how, you're dead to me. You can't do that. Oh, you don't understand racism then. You don't understand no. bigotry. You don't understand. You don't understand the severity of hatred. Your daughter. Oh, are you kidding me? There are people that have been put away because they had a black baby with a black man who were white. They've been put away, never to be seen again. Are you kidding me? This is the oh. the disease, the sin, the insanity of racism—to actually hate another person because of the color of their skin, and then to use the Bible as justification for slavery, as justification for
0: mother, murder. Murder is murder now. Yes.
1: Yes. Right now in America, you have white cops killing black men because of their race. It's an epidemic. Obama, who is our president, happens to be a man of color for the first time in history. do You know, he's had more assassination attempts or threats on his life than all the previous presidents combined. Hmm. Maybe because he's skinny. Hmm. Maybe because he's tall. Maybe because he has big ears. No. No. Why? And here's something to think about. There's something called the State of the Union Address when the president addresses the entire Congress. Yes. It's a place where the whole world's watching. What would the president say about the country? It's a time of dignity and tradition. And if you, even if you oppose the president, you still show the world unity. Uh-huh. For the first time in American history, a U.S. president is talking to Congress. In the middle of his speech, a white congressman stands up and says, you are a liar. Wow. Now, why did he do that? Because he's a Democrat? Don't think so. Because he's from Harvard? Don't think so. Because he has two girls? No. Why do you think this particular person thought it was okay to stand up and break protocol in the middle of the president's speech, yell out, you are a liar? Liar. Color. I'm just asking the question. So let's go back to my story. (laughs) So my grandmother now is unable to work. Their savings have been depleted.
0: She's healed at least. The cancer has
1: stopped. There's cancer, but she's, she is unable to work. She has one eye that barely functions. The other one is gone. Her face is mutilated. She's full of all kinds of feelings of despair and feelings of abandonment. Your own family has turned against you. She did not know for a full year that her mother had died because they were uh-huh. forbidden to talk because she was dead. That, that is a very famous, you're dead to me. That means something in certain cultures. You are dead. That's not just a threat. You no longer exist. You are gone. So they lose their house. They can't make the payments. They get evicted. A sickly mother with seven kids who are not black, who are not white. They're somewhere in the middle. So no real group really accepts them. They lose their car. They lose furniture. And they have to go into these horrible, dilapidated government housing projects. Rats, roaches, predators. My three uncles in this environment become heroin addicts. Oh. They do something called skin popping in the ghettos, which is a drug dealer will take a needle mm. and just pop your skin, give you a little taste of it and get you hooked slowly. Then they asked you to join a group. My three uncles belonged to a gang called the Devil's Disciples. Oh, no. Where they would worship the devil and do all kinds of crazy things. They had lost hope. They were now atheists. They had no faith in God because of what happened to their family. And in this situation, my beautiful, wonderful mother... Was the oldest? She was fourteen when all of this took place. When they became homeless, going to housing communities where there was all kinds of predators. My mom is beautiful. She's this Cuban German black white mixture. Looks like a wonderful, dynamic, effervescent, beautiful model. But sometimes beauty in the wrong situation can be a curse and not a blessing. A man in the community who was a pimp came by and he knew the story. He said, "Your daddy's in prison." Your mama's dying and your three brothers are hooked on heroin. What is school doing for you? You're the oldest. He said to her, don't you understand with your unique combination of things, you are sitting on a gold mine. She said, where? He said, you're sitting on it. Let me help you. Save your family. Let me help you be the hero. You can make enough money to pay your mother's hospital bills, send money to your father in prison, help your brothers and sisters. You can be a hero. You are the oldest. It's your responsibility to save the family. What do I do? He said, listen, I got friends, businessmen, who just want to take you on a date. We'll buy you clothing. We'll put makeup on you, give you high heel shoes and some jewelry. And all they want to do is date you. And we'll pay you to be an escort with them. 14 years old. Nobody to protect. Nobody to say, this is a wolf. Nobody to say, there's a problem here. Oh. She says, okay, I'll go. Oh. For the sake of my mother, for the sake of my brothers, for the sake of my daddy, I will go on the dates. Well, when she gets there, they beat her up. They the drug her. Time. Oh, do they do a job on her? They keep her for a week. That's a slave. And they break her and she becomes a call girl, an escort. At 14, imagine times of dreaming and hoping your life now. Do you know how many of your listeners have family members who've gone through this? Do you know how many people live like this day to day to make a living? Do you understand? That's why I don't forget where I come from. Do you understand? That's why I do my ministry like I do, because I understand that. I understand the shame and the pain and the hopelessness that people go through. And that's why I don't judge anybody. You cannot judge anybody till you walk in their shoes and be in their situation and don't understand what made that person like that. That's why I'm going to err on the side of mercy and grace and love, because you just don't know their story. You don't. Don't judge. Mm. If you don't give a hand to help, don't use a finger to point. Help somebody. Pray for somebody. Mm. Assist them. But don't look down on somebody because you know what I've learned about life? Trouble, Trouble is either right with you now just leaving or on its way. You better be merciful. You better be kind. Your kids are still growing. Your mama ain't dead yet. Things can happen in life that will shock you. So you better. The Bible says, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. mercy." You're going to need some mercy someday on your grandkids. You're going to need some mercy on your kids, on yourself, on your husband, on your relatives. So if you want God to show you mercy, you better go out here and show other people mercy and you'll get it. If you are judged mental and you are condemning and you're so religious that you are so heavenly bound, you're no earthly good. Then you know what? I got to pray for you because life is funny. Things can change. So back to my family story. So my mother becomes a call girl from 14 years old on. She's selling her young body to grown men for money at age 16. She gets pregnant. This is called having a trick baby. When you are with a John, they call it, you're turning a trick. That's what it's called. And if you get pregnant, it's called, this is not, my beloved, two lovers, two people coming together to have a child. No. These are two business people in a transaction, and there's a quality control problem, and oops, nobody wants a trick, baby. Not the pimp, not the family. It is a problem. So the pimp said to my mother, oh, no, 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 no. You're my biggest moneymaker. You can't be pregnant. You can't be out of commission. We got to get rid of this baby. So first they tried to give her alcohol to flush it out. Didn't work. Baby wouldn't die. They began to beat her up and punch her in the stomach. The baby wouldn't die. They gave her drugs that would kind of cause a premature abortion, but the baby wouldn't die. They then tried using a hanger to stab and to cause an abortion, but the baby she simply wouldn't no die. What say
0: down. about this.
1: When you are 16 years old and grown men are controlling your life, they can drug you, tie you down, and do what they want to you. You're like a sex slave. Oh, God. Yes. And so... Through all of this treatment, no doctor visits, no vitamins, no prenatal care. The baby is born premature. The baby doesn't have a pancreas. The baby is learning disabled. The baby wets the bed because its bladder is too small. The baby cannot function normally and think practically. The baby is a severe stutterer. The mind and mouth don't connect. Ear, nose, and throat not fully developed. The baby is me.
0: No.
1: Yes. I come That's, from no, the no, guttermost. No. Yes. I am a trick baby. I was born premature. I don't have a pancreas. My ear, nose, and throat don't connect properly. I was called learning retarded in school. I'm here to tell you I understand suffering and shame. To make matters worse, I had this lady who was a babysitter when my mom would go out to do her business. And she was a sadist, meaning she hated men and hated boys and she would take me down to the basement and take a broomstick and rape me because she hated boys and when you get molested like that when you get violated like that all hope leaves your humanity is gone your innocence is stolen your 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 backside is bleeding Nobody cares. And there's four things you learn when you're abused sexually. Don't talk. Don't trust. Don't feel. And try to pretend that this nightmare is not happening. You become like a blind man in a dark room chasing black cats that simply are not there. And that's why at 10 years old, with no God, no Bible, no father, no family, pain, drugs, prostitution, poverty, violence, I grabbed my mother's gun. Hopelessness was my name. I put the gun to my head and I basically said this, if my next 10 years are like these past 10 years, I choose not to have any more years. I can't take it. There are people listening to us now who are at that place. They've lost their jobs. Their husbands have left them. They may have a child born with autism. The medical bills are high. They've been mistreated. They've been abused. They've been rejected. And they are listening right now. I'm here to tell you, I understand. I'm here to tell you, I love you. I'm here to tell you, you have a brother in pain. I understand. I'm here to tell you, as bad as it may seem at this moment, don't die. Don't quit. Don't take that alcohol anymore. Don't take the drug. I understand. And God saved me just for you. God saved me to reach out to you where you are in your misery and hurt and shame your suicidal thoughts your sense of despair your wanting to give up don't do it please don't don't do it because i want to share with you the hope That my life is. The word hope means something to me. Healing our people everywhere. That's what hope means to me. Healing Our our people everywhere, wherever they may be in Kibera, in Karen, in Nakuru, in Mavasha, in Meru, in Mubasa, in Nairobi, in the parliament. Wherever you may be, I was kept alive as a trick baby to tell you there's hope. There's hope. For that teenage mother who's pregnant and don't know what to do, there's hope. For the man that just lost his wife and job and feels less than a man, there's hope. For the woman whose husband has multiple girlfriends and has been abusing you and left you with your kids, there's hope Amen. for the man that can't seem to put the bottle down, who's addicted to alcohol and drugs and wants to kill himself. Don't do it. There's hope. There's hope. There's hope. I'm here to tell you. As a man from the gutter, as a man from the sewers, I am the least of these. Everything that could be wrong was wrong in my life. I was a poor student. I was molested. I was sickly. There was no God. There was no church. There was no hope. And yet today I can talk to you about my journey Amen. and about the faithfulness and the goodness of God. Amen. He will find you where you are. And if you cry out, help me, he will, he will in ways you could never expect, show up and ask you. Three questions. Are you tired of hurting? Is what you're doing working? And do you want a change in your life? Do you understand one thing? That God may have chosen you to be the deliverer of your family? That the generational curse stops with you? That you have the power and the ability to say no more? That's exactly what happened to me.
0: Tell me how tell me how things changed from that.
1: I will tell you that.
0: I can't believe that.
1: I was in the fourth grade, we call that in America, uh, grade four, uh, kindergarten, first, second, third, fourth. And I wet the bed. I was ashamed. I was embarrassed. Uh, I stuttered so bad that my friends in school. You once stuttered? Oh, I'm still a stutterer. I'm still. No, you're not. Yes, I am still a spastic stutterer. But I'll tell you more about that later. You tell me. And so during school, they had a poem. The poem was, "His name is Renardo. He is a retardo. He sits on the steeple. (laughs) And when he talks, duck. He spits at the people because my stuttering was very physical, and I would have problems. They were
0: talking about you.
1: Yeah, during recess, they would they would they would tease me with this because I stuttered. My stuttering sounded like this. My my name is Ronaldo Harcher, and and it would take me forever to get my words out. So what did you learn to do as a kid? Kids are smart. So after being teased and ridiculed and embarrassed, I refused to speak in class. I had enough. So I didn't say anything. I was silent. They called my name. I would not talk. Too much pain, too much humiliation, too much embarrassment, too much struggle. So I learned silence was golden. They leave me alone. So the teachers then called me edubically, mentally retarded. The boy, do you know what it's like to know that you're smart? Do you know what it's like to know you know the answers? Do you know what it's like to know that inside of you is a brilliant person, but you can't get it out? I don't know. It's horrible. It's being in a prison. It's being captive. It's being in bondage. And eventually, we call it learned helplessness. You learn to be helpless. And that's called eventually arrested development, that your development stops, Mm. your growth stops. There are people right now that have been what is called through a significant emotional event that's hit them so hard, dropped them to their knees. They become learning, helpless, and their development becomes arrested. So you see grown people who are still little children, grown people who have no confidence, grown people who have no sense of self-worth because they still see themselves as that hurt, little, helpless child. So they put me in a basement room with other kids that were like us, and we were basically housed in a boiler room,
0: Retarded children. and we
1: would finger paint, oh. no math. No science, no English, no grammar. Just take paint and draw with your fingers and use macaroni to make figures. And that was our curriculum. That was our work. But I'm gonna tell you something. In the midst of your pain, in the midst of your sorrow, God will send one. A new teacher joined the school. Her name was Mrs. Spears. She was a devout woman of God, a prayer warrior, and she saw her school as a mission field. She looked for the least of these, the broken, the rejected. And she taught me one thing. She said to me, Ronaldo, understand this, that man's rejected is often God's selected.
0: She said that
1: man's rejected rejected is often God's selected. Wow. You've been chosen. I said, chosen for what? <laughs> she says, I'm going to help you to understand that little becomes much when placed in the master's hand. Matter of fact, she said, God likes to take people that are like you, do his marvelous work, raise you up so he gets the glory and prove to others his love is real. She his just spirit picked. is real. Yeah, yeah. she picked me to be my speech pathologist. She knew I couldn't talk, so she began to help me say phrases like, The sea ceaseth, and it sufficeth us, and proper preparation prevents poor performance and possible punishment. (laughs) And at dawn, the dawn went down, and are our oars here? (laughs) (laughs) Now, being a stutterer, I was there all day. I'm telling you. (laughs) but, But when I struggled, she said to me this, and it was very helpful. She said, Ronaldo. Anything worth doing in life is worth doing poorly at first until you learn to master it. All kids fall before they walk. All bicycle people crash before they learn how to ride a bike. It's okay to struggle. Just don't stop. You hear me, people? It's okay to struggle. Remember this from me to you. Failure is never final. It's not the falling down. It's the staying down. When life knocks you down, and it does, learn to land on your back. Because if you can look up to God, you can get up in God. So never give up on God, because God will never give up on you. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. So she used as my speaking tool... The Bible. Remember, mm-hmm. I come from an atheistic family. Never seen a Bible. Never been to church. Didn't hear any prayers. So this was brand new to me. Mm-hmm. She takes the Bible. She says, I want to show you something about your life. I said, fine. She took me to the book of Jeremiah. <laughs> to this day, I'll <laughs> the never book of forget Jeremiah. it. Jeremiah chapter one, verse four. She said, this is you. And had me read it out loud into a tape recorder. And the scripture says, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I I knew knew you. you. Before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified you. I set you apart as a prophet to the nation. Then I said, oh, Lord God, I cannot speak from only a child. And the Lord says, Do not say you're only a child, for I shall touch your mouth with my hand, and I shall put my words in thy mouth, and wherever I shall send thee, thou shalt speak, and be not afraid of their faces, for I am with you Amen. to deliver you. Amen. Says the, the Lord. Lord. Do you know what that's like? for a trick baby for a mistake to understand that before you even conceived that God knew Knew you, you God had a plan for you that God had his hand upon you that God is going to use you that God has a purpose for your life do you know what that's like it's like air to a strangling person it's food to a starving man it's water to a desert dweller it is absolutely light in the darkness it is hope in the hopelessness it is a transformational manna coming from heaven and my whole life lit up. I'm not a mistake. You believed it. When you're hopeless and somebody offers you a light in the darkness, you You follow the light. You take it. When somebody, you're starving, bring a cracker. It's a steak. (laughs) Yes. When you're thirsty and they bring you a glass of water and says drink, like I'm doing right now. I do. (laughs) Drink. (sighs) So good. And so I began to, every day with her, read about men In the Bible, women in the Bible that were less than, and watch God transform them, watch God use them, watch God do miracles through them. Moses was a stutter, became a spokesman. David was rejected, became a king. Joseph was lied on, put in prison, put in a pit, and he became the prime minister of Egypt. All of these people I could identify with, and yet I saw the hand of God began to transform four things their head. Their heart, their hands, and their habits. Repeat Uh, that again. When you give your life to Mm -hmm. God, he transforms four things. He changes your head of what you think is possible, what you think you can do. He changes your heart that he gives you hope and inspiration. He changes your hands. He gives you a purpose to use your gift and your talent. And he changes your habits of what you do every day to prepare yourself for greatness and for service. And so... I began to read the Bible with her out loud and started believing if God before me, who can be against oh. me? Things that seem impossible with men are possible with God. God says, I know the plans I yes. have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you and offer you a hope and a future. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I began and I memorized Amen. two things. Thousand scriptures. What did what? David say? Yes. How can a young man keep his way clean by taking heed according to thy word? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. I memorized chapters, Psalms. Do you know what happens when a young man starts to eat the word of God like so at that? At this
0: time, how old are you?
1: I'm about eleven years old now. I'm eleven.
0: Uh, Mrs. P.S. has been with you two years, Yet really. and
1: everything now I've learned, i become like a little Bible scholar. And I begin to <laughs> believe what oh. the word says. Oh. I will never leave you nor no, for forsake sake. you. I'm a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I begin to believe the promises of God. Ear has not heard, eye has not seen, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has in store for those who love. David said, I... I am old. I was young. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed begging for bread. I began to believe what I was reading, memorized it, and I began to live it. My stuttering was under control. I'm still a stutterer. It's, it's incurable by the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's what happens. There are words I can't say. They'll trigger a stuttering fit. So as I'm talking to you, I'm trying to find the right words to say in milliseconds that will not cause me to stutter. So I have to continuously edit out thoughts and words so I can say the words I can say and leave the words behind that I can't. This goes on in seconds. That's how my mind was trained. By reading the Bible like I did and memorizing 2,000 scriptures, you know what happened? I developed a photographic memory that I could read textbooks and whole chapters. I could read anything. I became an absolute genius in school from memorizing 2,000 scriptures. The part of my brain that collect and ingest pedantic nomenclature and intellectual academic jargon to affect my cerebellum and my reticular activating system became alive. (laughs) Basically, the Bible changed my head.
0: Uh. My mind
1: became a sponge. It actually became a camera. That I can look at something ch-chick, 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 and never forget it. I can go back 10, 20, 30 years and pull up information from my brain and I never forget what I learned. So I went from being oh. a retarded child to being the number one student in my school, oh. of being an academic scholar, of being this hero to other kids. And what happened as I what grew, happened? I became smarter and smarter. I went to a private all-white academy, a poor kid catching three buses to get to this school, no girls, discipline, shiny shoes, no facial hair, and the whole student body, it was 1% black, 99% rich white, and they elected me, the student body president, said, you lead us. Wow. I graduated first in my class. I graduated with honors. I was a football star and got a full scholarship to college. And became a pastor at 23. My family took notice. The scripture says, hear me today, everybody. Let your light so shine Mm. before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. So let me tell you a secret. Sometimes the things that happen to you are not just for you. They're to happen to you to be an example of God's mercy, God's grace, God's deliverance. Remember when Paul and Silas ran in the Philippian jail? The Bible says at midnight they began to praise God and the whole jail shook. What people miss, Paul and Silas' prison door just didn't open. Every jail cell in the place opened up. <laughs> it wasn't just for them. It was for everybody. Jesus says something that's so profound. <laughs> Lazarus had died. Jesus had delayed coming. He was on his way to the tomb. And he said something to his disciples that makes you shiver. He said, I am glad for your sake that Lazarus has died. Because by this experience, you'll know I am the resurrection and the life. Though ye may be dead, yet shall you live again. So sometimes things happen to you, not to harm you, not to punish you. So God may use your life as a living laboratory to draw others to himself. to himself. So I'm preaching on Mother's Day to an atheist family, never comes to church. On that particular day, my mother shows up. Oh, She sits way in the back. I talk about the theme of that day was the rehab of Rahab. How a prostitute became adopted into the lineage of Jesus. This pagan Gentile call girl was included. And You know what? Let me tell you a secret. In the book of Hebrews chapter 11, it's called the hall of faith. Mm-hmm. You got Moses and mm-hmm. you got all these great men. Only two women are mentioned. Not Esther, not Mary, no. not Ruth, not Naomi, Sarah and Rahab, the harlot. Becomes a matriarch of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God can change the lineage, the genealogy, the future, the purposes of your family if you give it to him. My mother comes to my church. I'm 23 years old. I open the door for salvation and my mother comes down front. And she hugs her son. The trick baby. The almost aborted child. Oh. And my mother puts her head on my shoulder and weeps like a baby. And she asks me the question, son, why would God choose a whore like me to bring a man like you into the world? I said, mom, it's all because of his mercy and his grace. When my mother got saved, she got <laughs> saved. Saved. <laughs> well, she became an evangelist to the family. Oh. And would get her car and bring everybody to church and 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 witness about the power of God. Look at my son. Look at what God has done. I'm telling you, there's a God. Oh. Everybody in my family, grandmother, grandfather, aunts, uncles, cousins, got saved. We went from poverty to tr- tremendous poverty prosperity. I made my first U.S. million dollars as a businessman at 28 years old. My mother, sister, we own big real estate firms in America. Uncles are now real estate barons and and big six, eight bedroom houses. God took this raggedy, broken, abandoned, rejected, drug infested, prostitute filled family and by his mercy and grace turned generational curses into generational Uh. blessings. Amen. I'm trying to tell you I am alive this very day. I turn, my birthday is June 15th, and I'm alive here to tell you now, do not give up. There is grapes in the land, but understand, the promised land was never empty. You got to fight for it. You <laughs> have to put on your big boy pants, your big girl pants, and go to battle. The promised land that God gave Israel was full of ites, Amu-ites, Jebusites, <laughs> Pecamites, Halamites, Canaanites, and they had to go fight. But God said, I will be with you. Thank you, you got to fight for your dream. you got to fight for your family. Paul says, put on the whole armor of God. Why? To go on vacation? you got to go to fight. you got to go to battle. Because in the struggle is where you experience God. David had to fight Goliath to get promoted. Moses had to fight Pharaoh to part the Red Sea. Daniel had to fight Nebuchadnezzar to be saved from the lion's den. It's always a fight, people. This is not an easy walk. No. But it is a powerful, victorious experience. Listen, we all have battle scars, all of us. You know, when you see Jesus in the end, when you go to heaven, he he's going to show you his battle scars. Yes, He came to earth to battle. He has scars on his head. He has holes in his hand. He has a hole in his side. He has holes in his feet. Those things are not gone. They are still there. So if Jesus has battle scars... We're going to have battle scars, but those battle scars become God's glowing stars of how he turns wounds into wisdom, pain into power, misery into ministry, failure into fortune, stumbling blocks into stepping stones, and mess into a message. Do you understand what, what, what a message is? It is mess with age on it. Message <laughs> becomes your message.
0: I must take a break. Oh, my <laughs> Join us next week as we continue with more of the profile of Dr. Ron Archer. Next week, we will shift it a little bit towards... His life as of the moment and the work he is doing, an advisor of presidents, an advisor of governors right here in our country, a mentor to many. And as we keep going back and forth towards his past and his present and his future, that will be for next Saturday. Please join us for that. My name is Wambo Imburo, and this is a repeat now of the second part of the profile. Profile Featuring Dr. Ron Archer is founder and chairman of an international leadership development think tank. He is a cutting edge entrepreneur and he also has authored a number of uh, books, it seems.
1: About nine books and planted 25 churches around the globe for the glory of God.
0: And you have won some awards. And I think the one that really struck me looking at at that is something that they call the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Leadership Award, yes, yes, a National Speaker of the Year.
1: Yes, the stutterer becomes the National Speaker of the Year. Tell me about that. Well, what happened? Let me kind of get back. So I go on and I plant churches as a 23-year-old man. My whole family gets saved. We start building wealth. But here's the thing. I never just saw myself as a religious leader. I always saw myself as a change agent, both in business, politics, politics and the church. So I was never a guy that was totally just excluded to the church world. So while I was starting off as a pastor, I was also a corporate executive. I joined At the same time. At the same time. I had two jobs always. So I would go to my church meetings and preach my sermons and go in my blue suit and red tie, my wingtip shoes, and go in and learn about open space technology, affinity, grant diagramming, PERT charts, SWOT analysis, became an executive in business because I believe that to relate to people, you got to stay grounded. You got to stay connected. You have to show forth the glory of God in the real world. So I always believe in two wings to fly Uh, a plane. So by (laughs) age 28, I had won all kinds of awards and you you name it, I had done it and decided to start my own company and made a million dollars in my first year in business, making over $100,000 a month with one client. S. C. Johnson's Wax hired me to change their entire company culture. They read my first book. On team development. They loved what it. What is the title of the book? Ron Archer on Teams, published by McGraw-Hill. And it put me on the map. It was a bestseller in the business community. Ah. I was in demand all over the business sector to lecture about the principles of organizational behavior, about leadership development, about team development. I was the expert at 28 years old. in
0: 28? Yeah, man.
1: God uh, does it. Uh, where did you, you
0: get that information?
1: Well, what I was able to do is apply what God had done in my life. I was oh. an academic Scholar, because I couldn't forget anything, and everything I read, I remembered, and I would read five books a week. So I would just, I would just gain, and I go on trips. I was doing my first corporate job was to go into various manufacturing plants and change the culture, change leadership, change organizational behavior through open space technology, affinity diagramming, organizational development. So I became an expert, and I learned very fast. I put it into practice; it was successful. I said, you know what, I can do this on my own. I was always an entrepreneur. I always was independent. And I said, you know, I will never be the most successful of me working for somebody else. I am going to start my own business. And I started the Dunamis, which means Power of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. Institute for Advanced Leadership Development and got a big contract off the bat. And became a millionaire. It was just amazing. The book became a bestseller. I had TV shows. I was planning churches. And success and upward mobility just continued and grew. My family was involved. And I just never forgot. I planted clinics. and But one dream I had. Mm. I've been to South America. I've been to the Caribbean. I've been to spent two years in Europe. I wanted to come to Africa. You did. Only 1% of African-Americans ever make it to Africa. We go to Europe. We go to Mexico. We go to Jamaica. But for some reason, we never make it back to the motherland. It had been my dream to take all that I've learned, all that I've been through, and come back home and start to share it. And God has been so gracious to allow me to spend almost a year here doing church work and working with your governors and working with executive leaders, going to Malawi, going to South Africa now, going to Nigeria. I'll be in Nigeria for a month doing a month long leadership conferences in Lagos and Abuja and Aba Abia uh, state. So Africa has exploded for us. We're excited. We love this continent, and it's been a wonderful experience. And I just want to tell people, if you got a dream, you got a talent, mm. don't sit on it. Don't be afraid. Remember this secret. I'm going to tell just me and you, nobody else. <laughs> no matter how safe you live life, no one gets out of life alive. I'll say, say it again. That again. No matter how safe you live life, no one gets out of life alive. What We're all gonna die. <laughs> so live so? your dreams and not your fears. You can stay in your okay. house and slip on a bar of soap and die. Okay. So risk it. Go for it. Live it. Try it. <laughs> Don't sit back being afraid that no. you might fail. Failure happens. Learn from it. True story. There was a man who was 65 years old and bankrupt with no teeth. And he liked to cook chicken at truck stops to feed truckers. And the trucker said, man, your chicken is finger licking good. You do chicken right. You should open up a restaurant. He's 65 now, bankrupt and no teeth. He goes to the bank and says, truckers love my chicken. I need some money. Open up a restaurant. He was told, true story, Mm. 1,099 times, no, you're too old, you ain't got no teeth, you can't (laughs) chew your own chicken, it's not going to happen. His name was Colonel Sanders, the founder of KFC. Wow. There was a woman who wanted to be a TV star in her early 20s. She went to her first interview, and they told her, point blank, you are too fat. Too black and too greasy for TV. Oh. She was told a hundred times, you're not beautiful, you're not thin, you're not the type for television. But she refused to believe that somebody else's opinion of her would divine her destiny. Her name was Oprah Winfrey. She now, now owns her own TV network called Own and the first black female billionaire in the world. So yes. let nobody tell you what you cannot do. Nobody can ride your back unless it is if if you think you can or think you cannot, either way, you are right. The person on top of the mountain did not climb there. They struggled up. They didn't fall there. They got there by one step at a time. So don't you let somebody else's opinion of you dictate your destiny. No. Stand up. Knock somebody off the back. Kick off the losers, abusers, and users, and fulfill your destiny one step at a time by believing in yourself, believing in God, and trying something. Half the battle in life is showing up. Show up so God can show out half the battle in life is showing up. up. We know what happens though we uh. talk ourselves out of it do we even show up. Well I ain't got no money and, and I didn't finish high school and, just, show and, and, up. just show up. <laughs> David showed up and Goliath went down. Moses showed up and Pharaoh said let my people go and he said yes. Half the battle in life we spend too much time doubting ourselves, believing other people's negative comments, having thinking, thinking so we don't even do nothing and before we even try we talk ourselves out, out of the blessing. No. Half the battle is put on your clothes, put on your shoes, brush your teeth, and show up and you'll be amazed what can happen by just trying and showing up.
0: Hiya. Where was I? I I, I had said at the beginning that Glory. it was possible. I I would feel out of control here, <laughs> but <laughs> let me try to have it back.
1: A revelation, <laughs> a deductive, dynamic, transcendent thought process that revealed God's divine purposes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and your use of words is amazing. Now let me ask you something. Mm-hmm. L- let me just look at you a, a little bit,
1: uh, okay. just a little bit, here before we
0: take up your story. Yes, ma'am. Because we left you without a pancreas?
1: Yes. I take three shots a day so that my body can function since I was a little boy. Uh, pancreas helps turn your food into energy. And so I don't have that enzyme that you all have that are normal. So I have to take three shots morning, noon, and night in order basically to live. But it works. I'm here. I'm alive. You, I'm alive. You, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it works. You, 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 you would forget. Oh, no. Because I've been in a coma twice from not taking when I was young. Oh. If, if I don't take these shots, I will go into a coma. Basically, my body will begin to shut down and my organs will begin to digest itself for food. So I have to take these shots to live. So you don't forget about that. No, you don't. No. No, you if don't. If you want to live. Yes. So, so I'm here to say to people you can have a disability, you can have a handicap, you can have some things wrong with you and still let God oh, use you. Paul had a thorn in the flesh and he went to heaven and came back and told folk about it. So don't think because you have a limp, you have a learning disability, you have some things wrong with you that God cannot use you. Let me tell you a secret. Yeah. God has never called the qualified. He qualifies who he calls. Amen. God uses imperfect people to reach other imperfect people, which by him is a perfect work. So don't disqualify yourself because you're not perfect because nobody is.
0: All right. All right.
1: All right. There it is. Your,
0: your family, your, yes. your family, your 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 grandma.
1: My grandma. We
0: left her with half.
1: Yeah, man. But you know what? Face gone. It's amazing what money can do. <laughs> we really? <became> a plastic <laughs> surgery, new face, new eyes. Yeah. So the thing that. We didn't have early because of God's mercy and grace and success. We gave her a new face. She's still alive. No, she passed away. No, oh. yeah, she's, she's long gone about oh, maybe okay. 10 years ago. But okay. the rest of her life was lived in glory. She looked good. She had an artificial eye. Her face was reconstructed. Oh. My grandfather got out of jail and we, we invested back in his business. He did quite well. They're both passed on, but they had great. They were able to live to see. What God was able to do with almost nothing, and everybody said, "Give me some of that, Jesus." Yes. Wow. Yes. Did,
0: did the link back in uh, Germany get get? I get...
1: spent two years in Germany dealing with my family there, and they were so open and so excited. Aww. You know, everybody likes success. There's an, old, there's an old saying in the world: yeah. failure is an orphan. Success has has a thousand mothers and fathers. (laughs) (laughs) So when you success, everybody don't care about your color. They don't care about your race, your background. If you got money, they got the honey.
0: So that, yeah. that
1: that's the connection is bad. Absolutely, yes. And then I'll go to Cuba and plant churches and do business. So all the links, but everything ties back to Africa. So here I am, here in Kenya. Bonas asafiewe, asana kerebu, and I'm here having a good time uh, with my with my samosas and having fun with my with my with my all kind of good barbecue and my chamas. I'm I'm I'm, I'm loving life. You're
0: fine. I You're am so quite, good. I can't okay. stand it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> to, the, to some of your work. Yes. L- like being a presidential advisor. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's, uh, that, that is so intimidating. Well, let me tell you how tell God Tell me about it. that. But
1: let, 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 let me tell you what happened. Yeah. A four-star military general was in a crisis. He had read one of my books and he fell in love with the book. And he said, I need this man to come help me. He saw, he, he, he saw the book before he saw the man. That's how it always happens. Your books precede you. Uh, That's why it's important to write books. Because your books me. go where you can't. True. Books are in bookstores. They're True. in libraries. True. They're in bathrooms all over the world. Uh-huh. So, so which your, book
0: is this? that he's?
1: he's uh, this was called Dunamis, Transformational Leadership Power for the 21st Century. Okay. So he read the book. He loved it. He said, get this man on the phone. They tracked me down. This is a four-star military general named Commander General B.B. Bell. He called me down to work with him. We transformed things for him. He said, wherever I go, you're coming with me. So he got promoted to a five-star. He was in charge of Asia, Korea, Europe. And, of course, he was an advisor to one of the presidents. He said, I got somebody. Remember Joseph in prison? Yes. And he said, don't forget about me. <laughs> well, the Bible says your gift will make room for you before great men. And he said, I got somebody who is so interesting. He comes from a humble beginning. God has raised him up. He's intellectual. He can help. And so that's how I got introduced. Let me tell you a story. When I was 10 years old, as I told you earlier, I yeah. had a gun to my head. Yes. When my son was 10, he was sitting aboard Air Force One. The president's pri- private military plane, sitting in the president's chair, wearing the president's flight jacket, eating presidential M&Ms and calling him by his first name, thinking this was normal. That's what <laughs> God can do in yes, one generation. Yeah, one generation. I had a gun in my head. He is now talking to the most powerful man on, on the planet, sitting in his oval office, acting like he's Uncle President. Oh. That's what God can do if you simply show up and say yes. Can I say it again? All God wants you to do is say yes, yes to his will, yes to his plan for your life, yes to dying to self and living for him, yes for taking that which weakness give it to him it becomes your strength, yes, Lord, I will go, yes, Lord, I will serve, yes, Lord, I will try, yes, Lord, I will speak, yes, Lord, I'll go back to school, yes, Lord, I'll write a book, yes, Lord, I will start a business, all God wants you to say is yes. When he asked Abraham, leave your mother and father and go to a land I know not of, all Abraham had to say was what? Yes. yes. He said, and if you say yes, I'll bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. Just say yes. yes and God will do all the rest if you keep saying yes. Let me ask you a question. Yes.
0: Still around that whole area
1: yes. of advice. Yes. Yes. Uh, These are ordinary men.
0: Yes, I know. I, I, I want to ask something yes. different. I want to ask about, about you. Yes. How do you know that of all the many choices, of all the many things you, you could say as yes. advice, yes, that you're giving the right advice that will work, that will stand the test of time?
1: One, my advice is always biblically centered and by, and God says heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. My word will go forth and will not come back to me empty, but it will do that, which I said it will do. So everything I advise is based upon God's word. I may not say in John chapter three, but I will simply say an ancient proverb, Mm. a Greek proverb, because the Bible is written in Hebrew and Greek. So to make it. Open to secular people, I will use an ancient Jewish proverb, an right. ancient Greek saying, but it's biblical. So my advice is built upon the internal, immutable, dynamic, didactic, living, transcendent, inerrant word of the living God, which cannot fail. So my faith is not in my own ability, no. it's not in my own intellect, it's in the power and the veracity and the tenacity of God's ever-changing word. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things become new. So my confidence is not in my advice as an intellectual person. My confidence in the power of the Holy Spirit to take the word of God and use it as he says he will to be like a Joseph who was an advisor. To How did Joseph know that was the right thing to do? Saying for seven years, we're going to save, 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 save. In the next seven years, the whole earth will be in a famine and we will feed the whole nation, become the wealthiest nation on earth, how did Daniel know how to interpret dreams with uh, Nebuchadnezzar? That's the same thing. I, I see myself as a Joseph or a Daniel giving advice from God to these men. If they apply it, God will bless. Ah, uh, yeah. So I don't rely upon my own no. knowledge base, I rely upon what God has taught me, what I've learned academically, and blend it. But everything is based upon God's word.
0: Uh, looking at your past yes. and the troublesome childhood. Yes. So troubled really, just so troubled childhood. Yes. Uh, I, I thank I'm, God I'm, for it though. Yes. It I does. Do. It does come out. Yes. It does come out. You wouldn't be where you are thank without you. that. What
1: David said, it was good for me that I had been afflicted.
0: Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm just wondering in your in this new yes. uh, setup. Uh-huh. In this new setup. Yes. Uh, have you had challenges unique now to the success, the blessing?
1: Oh, good question. <laughs> no, no, because that is something I teach. Yes. For every thousandth person, thousand people, uh-huh. that can handle adversity, only one in a thousand can handle prosperity.
0: Now, you can say that again.
1: Let me say it again. All right. For every thousand people that know how to handle adversity. They know how to pray. They know how to fast. They know how to cry out to God when things ain't going right. Only one in a thousand know how to read your Bible. The whole Old Testament (laughs) is about a group of people when things went wrong. Help us, God. Deliver us. Send matter from heaven. Pharaoh's being mean to us. The Egyptians are chasing us. Oh, the Assyrians are attacking us. The Babylonians put us in captivity. They knew how to fast, how to pray, how to worship. And as soon as they got blessed, God who?
0: Oh, Bible what? They can't handle that.
1: No, because what happens is the old technique of the devil. You. All this can be yours if you bow down and worship me or worship yourself. The thing Satan has been selling since the Garden of Eden, you can be your own God. Uh. With the money you get and the power you have, you ain't got to worship nobody. They will all worship you. You can be like God. God. That's been the trick he has used. No. And you, talk, I'm going to tell you something. When you make a million dollars... You don't That's change. Let me tell you, you don't change. Everybody around you changes. Uh-huh. Baloney, salami, they start worshiping you. <laughs> yeah, so you don't change. Everybody around you go, he got money. We're going to kiss his feet. We're going to kiss his hand. We're going to wash his hair. We're going to do whatever he says. <laughs> what oh do you great you Oh, great one. You got to keep it real. You need somebody, you listen, in order to be successful in life, you need two people in your life. Okay. You need a mentor uh-huh. who is going where you who, who is who is where you're going. So they can advise you what to look out for, what not to do, what to do. And you also need a tormentor. Somebody <laughs> yeah. who don't care about your money, who don't care about your fame, who will tell your breath stink, your clothes are ugly, and you need to wash your feet and your hands. Somebody who loves you enough to, to offend tell you. you. You need a mentor and, and a tormentor in order to survive everybody's. When you become rich, <laughs> you get that. false friends and true enemies. You need them, I'm telling you, you need somebody <laughs> around you who's willing to be real. What did Jethro tell Moses? He wasn't afraid of Moses' fame. No. Moses opened the Red Sea. Moses called down fire. Moses, Moses, Moses. He said, the thing you are doing is going to destroy you and these people.
0: We That's You have to have something like that.
1: You better have somebody. Who was
0: your mentor?
1: My mentor probably was my mother. Really? Uh, my mother's brilliant. She's an uneducated woman, but she is so smart. You wow. see, you can learn from everybody if you listen. My mother was brilliant. Smart woman. Why? When she became a Christian, the wisdom became like a fountain. So she was a mentor my first pastor was a mentor. Uh-huh. He was a military man. And when he first saw me, he said, shine your shoes, keep yourself clean, shut up and follow me. and You'll learn something. And guess what? That man made me into a leader. Oh. He challenged me. He provoked me. He would ride me. He would not let me settle for mediocrity. It was yes, sir. Shoes clean, ready for service. That man was a great mentor. And then Throughout history, people like Martin Luther King Jr., his life, reading about what Uh. he went through, that he was suicidal at times, and he he went through depression, but God brought him through. Nelson Mandela, what he went through, 26 years in prison, and came out, I love you, and changed South Africa. Great people. Mother Teresa, who served the least of these. So mentors can be people that you know or people that you read about and emulate. But tormentors gotta be people who don't care about your money, who about your fame. Who is that for you? Oh man, that was my family. My whole family said we knew you. <laughs> we knew you. We don't care about your money. We, uh,
0: we know you rather you, well. Yeah, uh,
1: we know you quite well, and so <laughs> that is important. And my uh, fiance now, she oh, she's a lawyer. She don't care nothing about my fame and, and power. No, you know what? Before you make that sound, wash your hands, clip your toenails. You know, don't wear that. Don't do this. Yeah, tormentor. I thank God for her. <laughs> So don't just get around fans. That's what leaders make a mistake. You get people around them that just want to be fans and, and just tell you how great you are. We call it the king who had no clothes. Everybody, oh, your clothes look great, king, uh, and he's butt naked. Yeah, yeah. No, you need people who love you enough to lose you. Okay. I'll say it again. Yes, you need people who love you enough
0: to, lose to you. say
1: things to you that may make you walk away, but they love you enough to tell you about yourself. Wow! So keep those folks close. All right. Yes.
0: All right. Is it okay if you could share with us one challenge in in your this life, this one, not the other one? Yes, I J- will. Just I just will. one that you think uh, 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 you still look back and say that was. Something and how God took you through it.
1: I would say, probably, when I first became a millionaire at 28, young, somewhat uh, decent looking as a young man, the evils of jealousy and envy from people around you that think it should have been them and who steal from you, who sabotage. You see, envy and jealousy are the greatest cancers in a society. Envy means I want what you have, but I'm not willing to do what you did to get it. I just uh-huh. so it's, they're coveting. They're like a wolf. <laughs> I, what I what want it. Like, oh. I, w- I want it. I want it. So I'll do. I'll steal. I'll lie. I'll go behind your back because I'm envious. That's why envy needs to be corrected.
0: It's a cancer.
1: It it, it starts with low self-esteem and it starts with self-hatred that I don't enjoy who I am, but I want what you have and I will steal it or whatever I can do to get it. That's one. Envy, left unchecked, grows into something called jealousy. Envy is an attitude. Jealousy is an action. Ah. Jealousy means your success so hurts me I got to kill you or kill your success. Cain killed Abel because he was jealous. jealous. Saul wanted to kill David because he was jealous. jealous. Satan wanted to overthrow heaven against God because he was jealous. jealous. Jealousy always produces rebellion, resentment, and distress. And there were people around me that became jealous of my success. And you knew it? Not till later. They were stealing from me. People that I had helped through college help buy houses for put their kids into certain daycare systems and to find out they're behind my back, trying to undermine everything I was doing. You talk about pain. You talk about hurt. You talk about anger. You talk about, I've done all this for you and this is what I get back. But you know what? That is when your Christianity is truly tested That is when your faith is truly tested. We are most like God when we forgive those who try to hurt us. Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them, not strike them down, not give them leprosy, not kill them all. Lord, forgive them. They know not what they do. And to understand you're not fighting against human beings but flesh but but principalities and powers and spirits. So that was devastating to me. People that I had loved and helped were trying to steal millions. Oh. Going behind my back trying to get deals on their own and ruin what I was trying to do. And when it all came out it's like Caesar said to Brutus who stabbed him. Mm. Et tu Brute? Et tu you too? I can handle the folks out there. Not you. You know what? The people who are the closest to you are the ones that can betray you the most with a kiss. Oh. Judas was close. But you know what you got to do? You got to love them, forgive them, restore them, help them. And keep going. And keep going. Because unforgiveness kills you, not them. I know. It's like drinking poison, hoping that they'll die. It's only killing yourself. So forgive, let go so you can grow and God will bless you. So that's a big thing that I had to go through. It was devastating. I had dreams of taking a shotgun and shooting their kneecaps. I didn't want to kill them. I just wanted to wound them. I just wanted to shoot them in their kneecaps and see them suffer. I didn't want to kill nobody. I just wanted them to limp for a while. I had dreams. How's that feel? You, You just tried to steal $3 million from me. I'm trying to help the homeless and help this and do this. You're making good money with me and you're trying to, to sti Sabotage. Yeah, man. <laughs> but, but you, you forget. got but yeah, I, I had to go on my face before God. Help me not kill okay. these people.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: And not even wound them. Not even wound them.
0: Tell me, you, you you have something to do with our governors here in this country.
1: Yes, yes. Could I, you tell me about I, that? I, 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 I've, I've been working with the Governors Association and some of the governors to help them understand leadership, Responsibility and how to run their counties like a business and get a return on the investment to their stakeholders, which are the constituencies, the tax people and those that they serve and to teach what is called servant leadership. So when you serve people, you get the right to lead them. And there's an old saying. I cannot teach what I do not know. I cannot lead where I'm not willing to go. If I want to see change, I must become the very change I expect to see. Uh So leading by example, serving the people, doing what is best for the greater good, and lifting up the entire civilization to a place, because I'm going to tell you what I know. Tell me. Kenya is the next big thing in the world. Kenya and Africa in general. I know all the investors in America. Mm. This is where they're coming. You got to get ready. I'm telling you right now. How do we get ready? One. Prepare, 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 educate yourself, start your businesses, get yourself running, because the wind is coming for those that have sails on their boats. If you don't have no sail, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss the wind. Do you think Barack Obama is coming just to shake Uhuru's hand? When when Barack comes to a country, he is bringing billions of dollars in investors with him. This is all economic. So, you understand what's coming. A flood of opportunity is coming. But if you're sitting around feeling sorry for yourself, not doing nothing, you're going to miss What is success? Mm. When prepared people meet the golden opportunity and come together, there's a breakthrough and not a breakdown. Billions of dollars, pounds are coming to Kenya. Are you ready? Do you have your baskets? Do you have your buckets? Do you have your businesses? Do you have your restaurants? Do you have yourself in a position so you can reap the harvest? Setting you- the
0: sail once again, the way you put it. Putting the sails up.
1: Yeah, okay, listen yes I, I I have a home in the Bahamas, and I like to go sailboating, but you just can't go when you want to go. No There are certain things that have to be in place in order to sail. One, the tide must be high. So if the tide is low, you can't go sail, and your boat'll crash on the rocks. Two, the wind must be at your back. Three, the current must be going out and not coming in. So when those three fact, oh, and fourthly, there are clear skies and no storms coming. So when those four things are aligned, which don't happen every day, the tide is high, the wind's at your back, the current's going out, and the skies are clear, you better put your boat in the water, lift up your sail, and catch the wind and take you to your destiny, because that doesn't happen every day. What well, yeah. I'm trying to tell you, the ties hide, Kenya. The current's going out. The wind is blowing at your back, and it's clear skies, and you have got to have your sails ready. You can't be look, looking around and I wish I had a sail. I should have built a sail last year. Build your sails now so you can catch the wind to take you to a new destination. This is the new China. Warren Buffett said it. If you're looking for the next China where you're going to grow at 20% annum, mm. it's Africa. During from 2000 up to now, during the economic crisis, Mm. Africa was the only continent to grow exponentially every year as an open market economic engine. Africa is on fire. Africa is the new frontier. It is the last frontier for economic development in the world. But man of God. Yes, my dear. Can can
0: I just address you as a man of God now? You may. What about terrorism? What about Al-Shabaab?
1: Jesus said, evil you'll have with you always. <laughs> I'm serious. Where's a place in the Bible where there was no terrorists? There was no evil. There was no war. He said, you'll have war and rumors of war for the rest of the days. What you going to do? Live in your house? with and, 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 and I mean, like I said before, no matter how safe you live life, <laughs> Everybody's going to die at some point. True. Uh, uh, America has terrorists, but they're our own homegrown people. You got men going to school, shooting up schools, so we stop. Let me ask you a question. Do planes crash? Yes, they do. Do you still fly? Oh, yeah. Do cars crash? Oh, yeah. Do you still drive? True. Do people eat food and die of poison? <laughs> yeah. You still eat at a restaurant? Absolutely. Okay, that's enough. I'm serious. You know, we have, you know, I mean, look what we do. We take one incident and make it the totality of all. It happens one time in 10 years. We, oh my goodness. Uh, Al Shabaab is in my, 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 in my next door neighbor. Um, you know, my, my, my water is called Al Shabaab water. Yes. It's a challenge. We will always have them. They'll never go away. When will it be perfect? When is it always safe? Okay. During in Europe, the Irish versus the English going on. Did people still make money in England? Did they still live their lives? Were there bombings going on from the the IRA happening in England? Did they lay down and stop living? No. So all of a sudden we think, oh, because we have troubles, we can't function. We work it and we plan against it and we develop it. Remember, governments have to be right 100% of the time. Terrorists have to be lucky 1% of the time. That is the cost of freedom and democracy. That's the cost, because if you want total perfection, then that means we become a become a dictatorship where there are so strict laws. Nobody can live. There's no freedom. There's no liberty. Do you really want that? It's bad enough to, have to go to the malls and get your get your, get your boot checked. People are like, oh, go to the airport. <laughs> well, that's the cost of safety. Yes. But true. do you want to be so safe you can't breathe? No. But the cost of freedom is that the terrorists have to be lucky once. Mm-hmm. We got to be perfect. of the time. Guess what? That just ain't going to happen. Okay. So we live with what we know is acceptable realities of life. Evil will be there. But we don't give in. We don't quit. Quote, Winston Churchill. Mm. He's fighting against Adolf Hitler. Hitler has something called the Blitzkrieg. Fast warfare. He has a group called the Luftwaffe, which is the German air force that's dropping bombs every night on London, trying to subdue the English people to surrender. Quote from Churchill. Hitler knows he's going to have to destroy us on this island or lose the war. But if we can stand up against his tyranny, if we can stay united against his hatred, if we can fight as one people with one voice and one mind, he cannot When we shall overcome because the Bible is right. Truth crossed to earth will rise again. We look back at history and see how we stood against Hitler. They will say this was their finest hour. Mm -hmm. They didn't give up. They didn't turn against each other. They realize the threat is there. There's going to be difficulties, going to be challenges, but we shall overcome. Why? Because the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward God's justice. No lie can live forever. Evil has always been Was de- Where's Hitler now? Bye. Where's Tojo now? Bye. Where's Saddam Hussein? Bye. Where's bin Laden today? Bye. Evil has always been, there. been defeated. It's always going to be there yeah. to the day that you die. So what are you going to do? Give up? No. Live in fear? No. No. We press on. We push on. We unite. We do everything is an old saying. You do what you can with what you have, with where you are, and let God be God. Okay. Is that clear?
0: That's clear. All right, now. Does it also answer the, 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 the wider scope uh, of terrorism then?
1: ISIS. It answers the reality we we, we first must understand. I've been to Guantanamo Bay many times, and there are people there that are held in those camps who look at me and say, you must die. You have to die. Eh. Their their belief is Eh. my existence is their reason for their violence because I'm not one of their faith group. I am an infidel, and according to their belief system, as long as I am alive and not converting, I must be dead. So what do you do to people like that? All you can do is what causes this kind of violence? Poverty, ignorance, and hopelessness. That's what causes it. That's how I can recruit somebody to be a suicide bomber. You have nothing to live for, but I'll pay your family. I'll take care of them once you die. So if we can eradicate poverty, eradicate ignorance, and eradicate hatred, which will take a lifetime to do. But, but let me tell you a story how it works. Mm. There's a man walking on a beach. And he sees this other man in the distance doing a dance, it looks like. Like, what is this man doing? Yoga? Pilates? He doesn't know. He gets closer. The sun hasn't risen yet. And he sees the man picking things up and throwing something into the ocean. He gets closer. The sun is about to peak over the horizon. And what he sees, surprise him, it's low tide. And there are thousands of starfish stranded on the seabed. And he says to the man, what are you doing? He said, well, the sun is going to rise in about 15 minutes and the heat of the sun will kill all of these starfish. So I'm trying to save them. He looked, he saw hundreds of thousands. He said, how do you think you're going to make a difference? He said, I made a difference for this one and for this one (laughs) and for that one. So instead of criticizing me, grab some starfish and let's make a difference for as many as we can. That's all you can do. That's all you can do. Do good. Listen. Yeah. It is better to light a candle than curse the darkness. Okay. Light your candle. Okay. Okay. Educate your kids. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Serve those who are poor. Be a volunteer. All right. Tell your story. Instead of sitting around criticizing the darkness, get a candle and light it.
0: All right. One more question. Yes, ma'am. Just listening to you today. Yes. And there are people who would never, ever have known everything that's in your past. Yes. The distant past. Yes. Uh, until Mrs. Spears.
1: Yes. Thank God for Mrs. Spears. <laughs> Where yes. is
0: she now, by the way? She's
1: way past on. Aww. But we have a Mrs. Spears scholarship fund that we help with kids okay. who are like me. All right. Single parent kids, stutterers, bedwetters, and we help them go to school. All right. Yes.
0: I wanted to ask. Yes. How come it's so, uh, maybe I shouldn't take it for granted that it's been easy. It's just that you're a very clear communicator. But how is it that you're able to share things that would otherwise uh, someone would find it a little bit embarrassing, maybe and embarrassing, shameful? Uh, maybe they would want to keep this what we know now. Yes. And not have to tell us that.
1: True success is not what you achieve. It's what you had to overcome to achieve it. Mm. The Bible says by his stripes, we are My healed. God. By sharing our wounds, people are encouraged to know they too can make it. If all they see is our success, if all they see is our wealth and our greatness, they think, well, that can't be me. I can't overcome. I can't achieve that. He had a spoon in his mouth. He was always smart. That's what they will assume. He's gifted. He's talented. He's God's favored. But if they don't know your story... If they don't know what you had to climb up out of, they don't know what struggles and things you had to crawl through. How can you encourage anybody else okay. to be on the mountaintop by yourself and pretending that you were born there doesn't help anybody?
0: <laughs> no, it doesn't. But When
1: you tell them the okay. sewer you came out of and how God helped you through. Now we're talking about true ministry. Okay. Now we're talking about true love. Okay. Now we're talking about transforming people's lives.
0: Amen. I hear you. Yes. What's in the future as far as you can see? What are you dreaming?
1: Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Tell me. Uh, We are, uh, as I told you, Hollywood's doing a movie of my life story. Tell me about that. Yeah. You know. Is
0: it true? Is the group that did Courageous? I think many Kenyans yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Courageous. Uh, uh,
1: The the people that did Fireproof Fireproof. and Courageous and and Facing the Giants, all Ah. of those, that same group. Oh, okay. But see, let me tell you what I know. Yes. Early on in my life, I was ashamed to tell my story. When you're young, I was ashamed. I didn't talk about it. I talked about my academic success. I became, I was trying to overcome that past. Uh-huh. So I didn't really talk about it too much. Until I met a vice president of a bank who was suicidal. Oh. He had been molested as a child. It was affecting his marriage, his self-esteem. And all my theology and business acumen didn't help him. But I knew it would. Your story. If I could connect with him. Okay. Heart to heart, man to man. okay. okay. His life was changed forever, and I realized the power, the gift that I had been given. Okay. So I refused to be quiet. I refused not to open and share. So I shared the story, and it has slowly grown. It's now viral all over the world. So this Hollywood producer was at an event where I spoke to 20,000 leaders in Philadelphia about my testimony. He sat back and was stunned, and he emailed me. He said, I heard the most incredible, powerful message of hope and possibility of God's mercy and grace. We need to put this into a film, a movie wow. called Trick Baby. But the trick was on the devil. And make a movie of your life story. Are you willing to participate with us and to produce this movie? So when I go to the States on yes. uh, Tuesday, they'll be filming. We're doing some filming when I get there. And it's amazing. It's going to be probably take about two years to do the whole movie and all that. And I'm so excited that God will get glory out of this difficult situation that people be encouraged around the world. So they're doing a television documentary. They're coming to Africa to film me doing crusades. I leave here to do a three-month crusade. uh, but It's called The Power of Hope. I'll be in Mississippi. I'll be in Jamaica. I'll be in New York. I'll be in Chicago. I'll be in South Africa. And I'll be in Nigeria for the next three months nonstop preaching, teaching, encouraging. You know why? Yeah. Remember. I couldn't talk as a kid. Now you can't oh. shut me up. <laughs> Every chance I get, I'm yes. making up hey. for lost time. Yes. But I want people to know, yes. sometimes your weakness can become a strength. Imagine. I worked so hard at overcoming my stuttering, I became a world-class orator It's true. because I had to That's work true. on the weakness. Oh. So don't let your weakness keep you in bondage. It can become your strength. And now can I, I just give a website and people can get yes, in contact you with can. me? You can. It is simply, really, it's my name, yes. ronarcher.info, I-N-F-O. Send in prayer requests. I answer every email that comes to me personally. You can email me from there. It's ronarcher.info. Okay. I go right to my website and you can email me from there. I'd be more than happy to pray with you. Let me just Thank end you. with one scripture. Yes, please. Galatians see. 6, 9. Mm-hmm. Be not weary in doing good, for ye shall reap a harvest in God's time if you simply don't quit. Okay. Don't please, quit.
0: Please pray for us. Let's do Let's do that.
1: First, if there's anyone out there who's listening, who doesn't know Jesus Christ is your personal savior, this is your chance to do that. All you have to do is say, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I fall short. I know that I need you in my life to help me overcome my past and prepare for my future. I know you died for my sin so that I can receive your mercy and grace. So today, Lord, I'm asking, come into my life, change me, help me, save me, make me your child and help me to become everything that is destined for me to overcome. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Father, I pray right now for all those who are listening. Some, maybe like me, have gone through hellish experiences. I want to encourage them to turn their pain into power by saying yes to God. Mm. Go back to school. Do what you can with what you have with where you are. Start part-time, your business, your restaurant, your daycare center. Do something. Don't just sit there being sorry, but Give it to God and give your effort to it. I pray that you would help my friends and my brothers and sisters to understand that everything they've gone through in their lives is a down payment on their divine destiny. God will use it all. He used everything in my life for my position and power today. And I am no different from you. I come from the gutter. I've come from difficult situations. But when you give it to God, it doesn't mean it'll be easy. No but you learn how to climb, you learn how to pray, you learn how to forgive, you learn how to become what God has for you. So I'm praying right now, blessings upon you, favor. God says in his word, I know the plans I -hmm. have for each one of you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, and offer you a hope and a future. We all know that everything works together for the good, for them that love God and for them who are the called according to his purpose. I pray for you. I bless you and ask God to keep you in Jesus' mighty name.
0: Amen. 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 Dr. Ron, Dr. Ron Isaac Archer, Archer, by the way, A-R-C-H-E-R. And yes. you can get in touch with him if you go to that website, ronarcher.info. He was a guest. He's part of, actually, Jesus Breakthrough Assembly. That's opposite the Met Department. That's at Dagoretti Corner and was hosted by Dr. Luke Mwangi My with man. us today. <laughs> with us today on Profile. My name is Wombo Imburo. Have a blessed Wednesday afternoon. Join us next week for another life-changing story on Profile. Only on Hope FM, where. You listen and live.